chapter 11. We'll be reading a section about the church in Antioch, starting with verse 19 and concluding up to verse 30. in Acts chapter 11. Now, those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, each according to his ability, decided to provide help for the brothers living in Judea. This they did, sending their gifts to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Lynn. Has anybody watched the wedding yesterday? Even as an American, I got caught up in it. <laughs> it was a pretty spectacular thing to witness, to see the, the pageantry and the formality of it all, to see all the stops kind of let loose and, and this celebration, the celebration of, of a marriage. In our culture, in this day and age, a celebration that gathered worldwide attention over people getting married. There's something beautiful in that. There was something beautiful if you, if you paid attention to what was happening throughout the service, the beautiful uh, declaration of God's goodness, uh, of God's faithfulness. Uh, that wedding celebration, having inside of it uh, congregational singing. I don't know if you noticed or, or could sit there and take that in, but what rich singing and hearing throughout that service in different ways through the scripture, through even the forms and, and litanies that they used. Anglican Church is really good at some good litanies. Litanies that taught us about God's love and how that love is communicated through this act of marriage. And the nature of covenant. 
There was rich, rich gospel message being, being displayed throughout that service. And there's something of that service that helps us get into what's happening here in this text. It is, it is this Pentecost day. It's a day that gets focus and attention in the church. One day, and, and in some sense, the whole Christian calendar, it starts back in Advent with this longing for Christ to come. And it, it comes to the culmination today of the Spirit coming. And there's this excitement that is supposed to build up throughout the year to this point where we go, the Spirit has come. God himself is dwelling with us and among us. And it's a hallelujah type day. But it's one day. And if you think about this day like a wedding day, it's one day. But that one day is meant to lead us into a whole lifetime. A whole lifetime, uh, just as, as the wedding leads into a lifetime of marriage, Pentecost Sunday is meant to lead us into a lifetime of walking with the Holy Spirit. This is the beginning of what God wants us to be, and it's supposed to extend way beyond just this one day. And so for today... Normally we would preach something out of Acts 2 and remember that day when the Spirit came with tongues of fire we've picked a passage that's a little later in the story. A passage that helps us to get, catch a glimpse of what the ongoing marriage of God's people looks like. What that ongoing presence of the Spirit among God's people looks like. And here we pick up the story down the road a few years in a city, not in Jerusalem, but in Antioch. Antioch up the coast a ways. Antioch, one of those cities that was very secular. And we hear how the Spirit of God has filled God's people, has sent them out from Jerusalem through the persecution that was happening into Judea and Samaria, and now it's spreading out towards the ends of the earth. And there are four things in this passage. Four things that we can see about what this healthy, ongoing life with the Spirit looks like. The first one comes in those first few verses when you begin to hear who's all involved in bringing the gospel out to Antioch. The those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among the Jews. So the first step was Jewish people taking the gospel to other Jewish people. But then there's a twist. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. What we see happening here is, is that though the church begins in one small community, we have God through the Spirit spreading that good news of Jesus Christ out to the nations of the world. This is the fulfillment of what's been happening, what God's been doing since way back in Abraham's time. And God talks about choosing Abraham. And when he chooses Abraham, he says, I'm going to bless you that all the nations of the earth might be blessed through you. 
And here we see that coming to fruition. Jesus Christ, who was born and grew up as a Jewish man, who died as a Jewish man, who lived and died as a Jewish man, that Jewish gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ gets spread out towards the ends of the earth. If we listen to the other text that we had uh, read earlier in the service, the one from Revelation painting a picture of the end of, of the story when all of God's people are gathered around the throne and they're singing praises to God. They're people from all nations, tribes, and languages. What we begin to see is that the people of God is not just one people, one people from one tribe. It's, it's people from across the face of the earth. The gospel, the people of God are inherently multicultural, intercultural, people from all nations being gathered together. We see that here in this text. A Jewish people, good news for the Jews becomes good news for the whole world. The men from Cyprus and Cyrene hearing that good news take it to the other nations around them. The gospel begins to grow and flourish and you hear that cadence in here that echoes that same cadence of that first Pentecost day. The Lord adds to their number. The Lord adds to their number those who are being saved. If we as God's people want to live in the fullness of God's spirit here and now and not just celebrate the spirit one day a week or one day out of the year, we become a multicultural people. This congregation may have started as a Dutch immigrant community, but God's intention for this congregation is not that it stays Dutch, but that it grows and is transformed and becomes a place where all nations come together to seek the Lord's face. The gospel of Jesus Christ, through the work of the Spirit, brings together the nations of the world. The second thing we see in this passage is is a man that we've heard of already in the story of Acts, Barnabas. Barnabas, you may remember, was, was that man who was a Levite. And as he heard the preaching and teaching of the law, realized Levites weren't supposed to own property. And he sold all the property he owned. And he gave that money to the church and he became an encouragement so much so that his name was changed from Joseph to Barnabas. From the one who adds and increases to the one who encourages. And he becomes an encourager in the early church. And and Jerusalem, the leaders in Jerusalem hear what's going on up in Antioch and they send Barnabas to encourage the people. The Spirit, when the Spirit is moving in a community of God's people, God will raise up those among us who will be encouragers, who come not to judge and condemn and make sure everybody's following the rules the way it's always been done, but people who see the Spirit in others, who see what God's doing in the community and raises those people up to encourage and to build up and to call people to continued faithfulness. And you hear again the same echo coming out in the text, just as when the men from Cyrene came and they taught the gospel that the Lord added to their number, so too when Barnabas comes and dwells among them, the Lord adds to their number. 
that continuing cadence, that Pentecost cadence, that when God is at work among his people, when his people are attentive to the Spirit, God adds to their number. The third thing that comes out in this text, Barnabas sees the congregation. He looks out at what's happening in Antioch and he says, someone else needs to be here. And he goes to get Saul. He goes and gets Saul, and and Saul's been converted at this point, but he goes and gets Saul and brings Saul in, and this is the first place that Saul begins to teach, and after this, Saul becomes Paul. This is where the transition happens. And for over a year, Barnabas and Saul give leadership and discipleship to that community. It becomes a place where leaders are being developed, Saul is being developed. One who is far from the gospel, who is an enemy of the gospel, is being wrapped in and trained to be a leader. People, their gifts are being recognized. And people within the community, leaders in the community, are finding ways to have everybody have a place where they can contribute to the well-being of the community. And you see in that new leadership rising up. And we do this in some formal ways here. We're in the process of, of calling Hayden. There's a recognition of, of calling a new leader in our midst. And next week, we're going to have a congregational meeting right after the worship service to, to do a vote of affirmation for new elders and new deacons. And each year, we have that rhythm of recognizing gifted people within the church that God is setting aside to lead us. But it goes way beyond that. It goes to the point of saying everybody whom God gathers in this place has been given gifts, gifts of the Spirit that are meant to equip and encourage the whole body. And we need some folks in this community whose primary role is to walk around to others and say, what gifts has the Lord given you? And how can we encourage you to use those? How can we free you up so that you can use your gifts to build up the body of Christ? What we see in that early church in Antioch is the Spirit is continually raising up new leadership, new leaders and new people who can, who can use their gifts in ways that they haven't been used before. It's a multicultural church. It's a church that filled with the Spirit continues to see new leadership added. And that spirit of encouragement is throughout that whole community. And as that community is growing together, we see a fourth thing that makes for this ongoing life of the Spirit in the community. And that is they are responsive to what the Spirit reveals to them. The Spirit brings in someone from outside the community. It wasn't from the church in Antioch. It was from Jerusalem and a prophet, a traveling prophet comes from Jerusalem into the church in Antioch and in the Spirit stands up and says, a famine's coming and it's going to hit Jerusalem and that whole area. And the church considers that word and prays about it in response to it. Each person in the community decides from their own heart what they can do to help support those others. So suddenly that church, that people in Antioch are no longer an inward-looking community. They become an externally focused community. They become a community who looks out around them and says, the Lord has blessed us. How can we care for those who are suffering? 
How can we look at the world around us and the trouble that is in the world and what can we do to respond? Marva Dawn, who's a, a Christian theologian, spends lots of time talking about worship and discipleship, what it means to be God's people. Marva Dawn talks about how so much in our culture there is this uh, ratio of high information and low action. We are a people who are taught to take all sorts of information in and do nothing about it. And what we see happening in Antioch sets a model for us as God's people. That when we hear things happening in the world around us, our response should be, Lord, what would you have us do? How would you have us respond? How can we respond to the needs and the brokenness of the world around us? And some of us may take out our pocketbooks and say, I've got some money that can help. Some of us may look at our calendars and say, I'm going to free up some space in my time and my schedule so that I can get out there and come alongside this need. Some of us may say, I need more education because I'm going to go out there and this is an issue I want to work on and I'm going to pour myself into it. Some of us may say, you know what? I'm going to bless others who are going out and addressing those needs firsthand and I'm going to pray daily for a missionary or daily for a politician or daily for somebody else who is engaging one of the issues and challenges in our world. But the point is, when they heard a need, they responded. It begins in here. Len gave a, a list of needs in our congregation. Jesus in the hospital. He's been there for just short of five weeks now. It'd be wonderful if people went to visit him out in Brantford. I know Brantford General's a ways away. But it'd be even more wonderful if we had some people who wrote cards having heard the need, having heard that he's in the hospital, people taking the time to write a card to say we're thinking about you, we're praying for you, we're surrounding you as a community. And those needs come up in other ways in this body, but also in the communities around us. If we are going to be a spirit-filled people, not just celebrating the spirit on this Pentecost Sunday, but a spirit-filled people who live into a lifetime of walking with the spirit, we need to look for ways to become more multicultural. We need to look for people who are going to be encouragers in our midst. We need to look for ways that we can build each other up and, and find each other's gifts and help each other use our gifts in this body. We need to become a people who when we hear of the trouble in the world, our first response comes, Lord, how would you have us respond? What have you given us that we can give to them that then those needs may be addressed? Life with the Spirit is not just about Pentecost Sunday. Life with the Spirit is walking in the Spirit of Christ from now until that day when God returns and makes all things new. People of God, let us walk together in the Spirit of the Lord. Let's pray.